2019, I took entrepreneurship full-time. I was making about eight grand a month. 2020, doubled again, about 17 grand a month. 2021, about 34 grand a month. And this year so far, I've been averaging 80 grand a month, just focusing on these super scalable passive income businesses. Welcome to the Action Academy Podcast. Stand back while I celebrate freedom. The show where we help you achieve financial independence with the mindsets, methods, and actionable steps from guests who've already earned their freedom. The flags of freedom fly. Choose to do what you want. What you want. With who you want. With who you want. When you want. When you want. With another episode today. Now, here's your host, Brian Lubin. All right. Cody Berman, you hit financial freedom at 25, correct? That's correct. Yeah. Okay, so you did not do that by saving up $100,000 and waiting (laughs) until you were 65. Your story is super interesting to me because I am on Twitter where you and I both met, and I'm going to have the pleasure of going on your podcast as well. But we're on Twitter, and there's a lot of people that talk about index funds, and they talk about long-term horizon investing, which is amazing, and it's sensational, and there's a place for it. But there are also other opportunities and other ways to accelerate this journey. And so whenever I see cats like you where you're like, okay, 25, I'm out of this thing and I'm 27 and I'm out of this and I'm filming this in South Brazil. Talk to the people, man. Talk to me, goose. Walk me backwards because (laughs) I know you have multiple different sources of income, different revenue streams. Walk me backwards on this journey from when you discovered the concepts of financial independence to where you are today. Absolutely. So what I will say, and the reason I give the example of like index funds and saving up $100,000, and I know you and I, Brian, aren't like that, but 90 plus percent of people aren't cut out to be entrepreneurs. Now, I'm not saying that as a diss, but like it does take a hell of a lot of drive and motivation. I remember my corporate job, like I could literally get away with just like doing an hour of real work a day. And the rest of the day, I'm like researching different stuff, working on my side hustles, just like reading random articles. And that's fine. But as an entrepreneur, if you're working an hour of a day on like deep work on things that are actually going to move your business forward, then you aren't going to go very far at all. So with that caveat, that's why I mentioned the index funds thing. But for me, I kind of got into this whole world. I read the four hour work week when I was 19. So I was a sophomore in college, became obsessed with the idea of like building businesses and what Tim Ferriss called muses now more popularly called side hustles. But just the notion that your time and money didn't have to be linearly related was groundbreaking to me because everyone I knew in my life, they worked this number of hours to get this paycheck. And some of them made more money per hour, some of them made less, but they were always working for a paycheck. They were The amount of hours they worked was a direct function of how much they earned in that paycheck. So once I kind of learned that it didn't have to be that way, you could build businesses, you could build passive income streams. Now where your time leverage, you have time leverage, Now you can make more money with less time. So I became obsessed with that, started building businesses, had two failed businesses. One was a tutoring business. One was a specialty clothing company. Finally found some success with my third business, which was a disc golf manufacturing company. So many lessons learned from that business and I've since effectively shut it down and I wouldn't recommend getting into physical products unless you're like really into it, but (laughs) lots of takeaways. So that's when I was like 19, started moving throughout college. But at that point, quite honestly, I I didn't think that entrepreneurship was like, 
the thing that was going to get me there. I was really getting into the financial independence movement, like Mr. Money Mustache and those folks. Yeah. Where you just make a ton of money in your early years. You invested all in the index funds in like seven years. I was going to hit five. I'm like, perfect. Like, I'll be 29. I'm going to get the sick corporate job in finance. Just like invested all in index funds, whatever. And as mentioned before, Brian, everything changed as I started getting more and more into the entrepreneurship community and just seeing people do amazing things, build these businesses. So I actually ended up quitting that corporate job seven months in. I was in commercial real estate lending. Started focusing on the side hustles that I was currently building at that time, which was my blog, podcast. Then I started focusing more on the passive income side hustles. So with freelancing, I was like trading all my time for money. Although I think one of the best ways to get bigger passive income side hustles is to fund those passive income side hustles with active income side hustles. So I was doing that for about a year. Then started doubling my revenue year over year as I started focusing more time, more energy, more money into those passive income side hustles like a blog, like online courses, like ebooks, like digital products. And every year since then, so 2018, that like first year where I was like doing a ton of side hustles, I was only earning like $1,500 a month. The next year, 2019, I took entrepreneurship full time. I was making about eight grand a month. 2020 doubled again, about 17 grand a month. 2021, about 34 grand a month. And this year so far, I've been averaging 80 grand a month, just focusing on these super scalable passive income businesses. So that's basically me in a nutshell. <laughs> Let's go. Let's go. 27 friendship <laughs> points. 27 friendship <laughs> points to Cody Berman. All right. So there are different levels to this game. And I have the pleasure and privilege of standing on the shoulders of a lot of giants, right? So the average guest on the show is normally in that high seven to 10 figure range in their entrepreneurship journey. So I've got millionaires at the bottom and up to billionaires that are on this show. And it's insane to hear like how they think about things and how they go about it. And in this whole concept and topic of entrepreneurship online, people talk about passive income and they talk about how to generate as much as possible so that they can hit financial independence, have their passive cover their fixed expenses, and then they can have their freedom. But then here's chapter two to the book. What do you do with your freedom? So that's where everyone drops the ball and then they haven't made it to that point yet. But what you're talking about is what I call passionate income. So you have taken to where you're like, okay, now I've earned my freedom and now I've found a way to attach my fulfillment to an active income source that prints so much capital that I can dump it into an exponential return in passive investing, right? That's exactly right. Yeah. So let's hit it in two different spurts here. Let's hit on your active income side and then we'll hit on your passive income investments here. So let's go to your active side. So what are your streams right now of active income and how did you go about building those up? And then we'll get into the passive. So on the active income front, I'll say one thing that has changed a lot is I don't trade my, I don't trade my time for money anymore. So before I would do something for X number of dollars per hour, I don't do any of that anymore. All of my active work, like the things I work on day to day are toward building a bigger vision, a bigger goal, a bigger business. So I'm not like someone's not paying me $500 an hour to coach them. Like I don't do any of that. It's all scalable stuff. So for me right now, what that looks like is building out our kind of digital products, course slash all our products. And we've doing a bunch of partnerships. That company is called Gold City Ventures. I actually co-founded that with my business partner, Julie, back in 2019. Started getting a lot of success with our online courses, started producing eBooks and digital products, selling them on Etsy and Shopify. And the cool thing with that, and the reason I say I'm not like trading my time for money is it's there are things where I'm building them once and then I can sell that thing that I created to an unlimited number of people. I kind of create it sometimes to 
playing like a concert. Like a musician could play a concert for one person or two, a hundred thousand people. It's no extra work for the musician to play that song, like regardless of the audience size. But if they have a bigger audience, they're going to have more fans. They're going to make more money. It's kind of the same thing with digital products. So really started like hammering that space and putting all of my time and effort into those like scalable products that I don't have to like rinse and repeat and like one-on-one coaching and things like that. So that's one of the things. The other one that I've been focusing a lot of time on is real estate. And so I'll say a lot of the active income part of real estate is in the beginning. It's like finding the right property. It's setting up the systems. It's all that stuff. But as I mentioned before, I'm building things strategically to then become more passive later on. So now it might take a couple dozen hours to find the right property, to get the right tenants in there, to just do all the things to set it up. But then once the property is all set up, whether it's like an Airbnb or long-term rental, I currently own both. Now it's three or four hours of maintenance per month and maintenance meaning my time, whether it's looking at like the balance sheet or the income statement or just like dealing with a random problem, a maintenance problem. And yeah, so those are the, probably the two things I've been spending most of my time on. Also the podcast is, although we've outsourced a lot of it now, it's mostly just me doing the research and recording. That's another part of like my active income or I guess income that I'm actually spending my time to earn. And let's see, am I missing anything? Just like a lot of other random little projects too, Brian, I'm sure we're very similar in that regard where like, I just can't <laughs> shut it off. Like I have a million entrepreneurial ideas every single day. And I'm like, okay, which one of these can I act on? And it's very few and far between that I actually have the energy, the time and the capacity to work on. But when I do, I go all in. Hmm. I just like go hard for three months on it. I love your concept of building scalable sources of active income <clears throat> because we all come from a background and you did that seven month spurt where we all come from a background of trading time for money. And then we also equate hard work to being deserving of having a lot of money. So that has been something that's been challenging for me is removing that relationship between hard work and more income. How's that process gone for you? Oh man, that's a tough one. I think for me, I used to just see money as Again, this thing that you had to trade your time to get. And at this point, it's money almost doesn't feel real. I feel like once you figure out the money game and like all the richest people have figured out this money game, they, a lot of them don't have to work anymore. Like money is just like almost a side effect of the things that they're passionate about doing. And that's kind of what it is for me now. Like as excited about like seeing the numbers come in from a monetary standpoint, like just the fact that I can do what I want to do and see my impact and see the people that I'm affecting grow and the income grow is a side benefit of that. I think it started to transform into something more of that for me. I'm financially independent. I don't need any more money. Obviously money is nice and like money is a motivator. And I'm pumped when I like we have a course launch or when I'm doing something and I make a bunch of money from it. But I honestly think like money has now become more of a side benefit of the other things I'm doing rather than the main goal, which it was for like the years that I was grinding towards five. A really good example of that and a metaphor for that is that you are in this car and you're driving this car and you're building this machine. And then it goes from that machine being designated and designed to create money. Now, instead, you're driving this car that you're having fun driving and you're going down this country road that you're seeing all these beautiful landscapes and you're having the time of your life. And then the money and the income is like the exhaust coming up. It's a byproduct. I was going to say, I know we mentioned Alex Hormozzi as his podcast, The Game. That's kind of what business has become for me at this point. Like, it's fun. I love building businesses. I love getting into the data. I love figuring out what's going to work. I love figuring out lead gen. I love figuring out conversions. I love delivering an awesome product to people. It's become a game to me. And, you know, you can kind of check your high score based on the amount of money that you're bringing in and the people that you're impacting. So going back to what I was saying before, it's like the money is like a side benefit. It's kind of, okay, you're doing this much impact based on this high score. 
Yeah. And it's so much fun because when you realize that the fastest way to get what you want and to get where you want is to help enough other people get what they want and get where they want, then you just do that at a scale. And then that 10x is your journey and your portfolio. But there's another quote that gets brought to mind by what you're doing. And it's one of my mentors, David Osborne, that was on this show. If you guys are listening, David is the episode that is $100 million advice on health, wealth, and self. And he has this phrase that's, I do, we do, they do. So he talks about the concept of you begin the business through all this force and friction, like you were talking about with your real estate or with making the online course. And then at that point, then you start to bring a team on board and then you teach the team how to manage this business. And then it's a team sport together and it's we do it. And then after that, there comes a point where it's time to exit and you move on to the next thing and then it becomes they do it. So I do, we do, they do. And I feel like that's what you're doing with all of your businesses. And I love it. Let's talk a little bit more about the real estate portion of that before we get into the passive side. Yeah, real quick before real estate, I just think that's so important and something that most entrepreneurs figure out too late. I mean, myself included, I could have started outsourcing way earlier. I was always like, I can do this better than anyone else. Like cocky, but also another part of that was I was super frugal. So I didn't want to pay someone else to do it when I could just take the 30 minutes to do it. So that was a huge shifting point for me when I started outsourcing like tasks that I didn't have to do so I could focus on higher impact stuff. For my real estate journey, I had interviewed so many people on my podcast who had (laughs) retired crazy early. Some who I've become really good friends with, like my friends, James and Emily, they retired at 27, 28, moved to Cyprus, like completely stopped working. And I was like, there's no reason I can't do that. So me and my fiance, Lauren, we just like started looking for properties. And I'm in Massachusetts where I am, didn't have the best cash flowing deals, ended up jumping the border over to Connecticut. We bought our first two properties there, then ended up buying a couple up in Massachusetts. At this point, we have 11 long-term rentals and two Airbnbs, and we're currently doing our first flip. Man, it's been an absolute learning process. It's been like a really, really rewarding. And like I mentioned before, I'm always up for the next challenge, but Man, like you don't know how much you don't know until you start doing it. No matter how many podcasts or books or YouTube videos you watch, like there's always shit that you just don't know. Yes. Talk about your relationship with failure because you said something in the beginning and that ties in perfectly with you being smacked in the face with the Airbnbs and doing your first flips and stuff. But also a quote that you said that stood out before was how you failed at your disc golf manufacturing business when you were 19. And you said it in such a way, I immediately was like, this is my person because you were just like, oh yeah, I failed at that for sure. Duh. Okay. (laughs) Moving on to the next thing. Talk about your relationship with failure on your entrepreneurial journey and how you view it. Failure, as I see it, is just the next easiest way to get up the next rung. Like, it's just a stepping stone. You're trying to build these blocks and every time a block falls in front of you, like it just gets you up to the next level. And eventually you're where you want to be, even though, you know, it might be slower than you want and your business, your first business might not blow up or the first thing you create might not be the best thing in the world, but you're not going to learn unless you just like do shit and then figure out what was wrong with the thing that you created. Why didn't people want to buy it? Why didn't it work? And then go back and iterate and just use those lessons you learned on the next business or the next venture or the next product. So like I mentioned before, for me, that was realizing, you know what? Physical products, I have to create the inventory. I have to then package and ship and worry with distribution. Like it was a whole thing. And now I talked about the concert example with digital products. I can create it once and play it for 10,000 people without any additional overhead, which is awesome. 
So that was kind of a key realization that I learned from that specific failure. And I have just failed a bunch of times. Like we've sold some of our properties that we like purchased because we got super trigger happy in the first year of acquiring properties. We bought like 11 doors and I'm like, oh man, I'm like a rock star. And then we ended up selling five of those doors because it was like shitty tenants and not the best areas just because the cash flow looked nice. So I am just like eating learnings into myself by trying different things and making mistakes. But I honestly, I know for a fact that I wouldn't be where I'm at today without making those mistakes. So Failure sucks in the moment, but if you can take, if you can zoom out and take like a five year or even a one year view, you'll realize that failure is the fastest way to success. Yeah. And it's almost to the point where if you aren't failing, you aren't even trying, like you're not pushing your limits because if you are just operating Mm -hmm. that safe little bubble zone, then yeah, like you may feel a little bit of discomfort, but you're never going to really fully put yourself out there. And I love another analogy like going to the gym. You're not going to go to the gym just to get a little bicep pump, right? You're there to completely destroy and rip apart that muscle so that it literally reheals itself as a stronger form of its previous version. And that's what entrepreneurship is, because we're just going against that grinding block over and over again. So I want to take a pivot here in a bit to the passive side. But first, what is the so you said you have about $80,000 coming in. Is that mostly from the active businesses with the courses, digital products and cash flow from the real estate? Or is that a combination of the two? I think we'd have to define active versus passive because I think there's a lot of gray area here. Because like I mentioned before, I wouldn't consider like real estate active income. It's more like residual income. Like a lot of the work is done up front and then I'm making money on the back end. I think of active income as like a lawyer or a doctor or someone who's like doing really high level coaching. Someone who's literally trading their dollars for hours, how I define it. But to answer your question, most of that, pretty much all of that is coming from a combination of digital products like courses and eBooks and printables and then real estate. That's like probably 90% of my income. How do you feel about the financial independence retire early community that gets irritated that people working still? (laughs) So I definitely have some gripes with the fire movement, although I got to give credit where credit's due because I don't think I would be where I'm at today without kind of discovering that community and just like seeing people spend intentionally and how you can retire at a really young age if you're frugal and understand what to do on the income and investing side of the equation. But I think a lot of people in the fire movement don't focus enough on income generation and just like scaling your income. Cause I've talked about this before. You can only frugal yourself to zero. And I see you living under a bridge, like eating the scraps that people throw over. You don't have health insurance. You don't have a house. You don't go out anywhere. Like to get to zero, you have to be like absolutely insane. But on the income front, if you're making like 40 grand a year, it, your income is infinitely scalable. You could start a side hustle and double that to 80 or 160 or beyond. And so I think a lot of people in the fire movement. And there are some that do talk about this, but I don't think enough of them focus on the income side of the equation because especially with side hustles, entrepreneurship, it's infinitely scalable, man. So that would be one critique I have of the fire movement and its teachings. Yeah. And you mentioned Alex Hermosi, and he has a quote that says, if he has $10,000, he would invest in the S&P 500. (laughs) So I was just like, I was like, come on, man. Even he was like, okay, yeah, you you guys can punch me in the throat for this one. But no, I completely agree. People come to me and they ask me, hey, I've got $5,000, $10,000. What should I invest in? And I say, you should invest in acquiring skills, right? To to increase Mm -hmm. your income generation. And so I want to lead that into the next question, which I already have an idea of what the answer is, but I'm curious about your perspective. If you had all of your income sources go up in a fire like tomorrow, and you had to build something from scratch all over again, 
to be the fast back to homeostasis financial mark that you can get, what's the first thing that you would build up? Would you get back into the real estate? Or would you focus on the online stuff? I get more fired up about the online stuff. I could honestly go either way in this question. I love the way you framed it though. And something we talked about before we hit record was going back to Alex Ramosi. He's getting a lot of shout outs in this episode, huh? Dude, Alex, come on our shows, dude. (laughs) Come on our shows, homie. But it was his quote and then Sam Parr, they say, do interesting shit. And I think that one side hustle or just business model that people sleep on is do something really interesting that's like buried in a niche. Like the riches are in the niches. That is like one of the truest sayings that I can say about entrepreneurship and business building. I would get really good at something really specific. And as I get really good around that thing, whether it's, you know, making money online or something else, it could be even like something about like fitness or it could be something about relationships. It could be something about mindset. doesn't matter. Get really good at a hyper niche thing that a lot of other people aren't doing. Then start to create content around that thing and you'll start to gain a following super fast. You'll be able to productize your knowledge by creating courses and eBooks and digital products and things like that. And it's super scalable going back to that concert thing. It's like you create it once. If you create the right thing in the right niche, it's just like infinitely scalable. If you can sell it to 10,000 people, you're going to be hella rich. So that's probably what I would do. I would get some and what's uh let's take the scenario even one step further and all my skills led on fire too. So I'm like starting back at ground zero without any of my existing skills. I would try to learn a really niche skill and just like literally grind my ass off and document the process along the way, get really good at that thing, put in so much more work than other people that they have to look to me for advice because I have put in so many more hours than them. And then I kind of build the whole community around this super niche skill that I created and start to monetize around that and become the guy. And for the people who are like, well, I don't want to be in like a super deep niche. You can start to niche up as you get bigger and bigger. But I think the mistake a lot of people make is like they create a personal finance, social media presence, and then they just like try to sell like a money course. That's not going to work. People that are doing a money course way better than you. But if you become like the mega backdoor Roth guy for single males from 20 to 40, now you have a niche. Now everyone's going to come to you for that. So it's a lot easier to niche up than to start really high and get like a foothold and then niche down into other stuff. I'm curious, has there ever been a period of your journey where you have felt that friction? maybe in the beginning a little bit, probably not so much now, or is that still the case? So when we lost side hustle courses back in 2019, it was kind of exactly the model I was just telling you. Like it was stuff that me and my business partner, Julie had already done. And we've already made good money from it. We launched a blogging course, a freelancing course, and then like a digital products course, teaching people how to create and sell printables and digital downloads on Etsy. So what was wrong? And for the people who are like really astute listeners, What's wrong with those three courses? The freelancing course is freelancing in general. We're competing with the biggest names who are freelance influencers. And so like getting those people into our ecosystem and trusting us over like the huge name freelancers was near impossible. And then with the blogging course as well, we had decent success with our blogs. We had made over six figures, but then there's like these seven and eight figure bloggers selling these courses who are just dominating the general blogging space. So that course didn't really work out. And so the one that did really work out was this like course on creating and selling digital products on Etsy because it was like a super niche thing. It was like nested under the side hustle space, which is like a subspace of money. And so that one worked out really well. And that's something that I'm only talking about this from personal experience. I learned along the way is like, we just couldn't battle with the big dogs on the blogging and freelancing course. So we since shut those down. If I were to redo it now, like I would focus on one really specific part of blogging or one really specific freelance skill, because then we'd have a a much larger chance of competing in those arenas. So that has definitely, that was a really hard lesson for me to learn because we spent 
oh my God, hundreds of hours on each of those courses, thousands of dollars in video editors, and now they're just toast. <laughs> no one's in them anymore. We're not marketing them anymore, but the learning lessons were invaluable. And now we're taking that knowledge and like using that to build other courses and scale our course and just take things to the next level. So honestly, for me, when I kind of first got into financial independence, I quit my job. Entrepreneurship was the thing. I'm like, if I can get to $5,000 per month in passive income, regardless of what that passive income was, whether it was real estate or digital products, like I will be financially free. So it was kind of a just scattershot approach. I'm like, however I get there, I get there. I didn't have like one certain goal. I wasn't like, I'm going to do this just by buying duplexes or I'm just going to do this through an online course. It was like, whatever creative ways I can get there, I'm going to get there. But now that I've wildly surpassed that, it's kind of surreal, but I've honestly, and I don't know if you're the same way. I still keep probably out of habit. Like my fixed expense is really low. Like my housing mm-hmm. is super low. My cars are super low. I spend a ton on travel, going out to restaurants, going out to eat, hang out with friends, going to concerts, going to events. But with that, it's like if all my income disappeared tomorrow in the scenario you mentioned earlier, I could still be fine because my fixed expenses are so low. Like if I wanted to, I could probably spend like $1,200 a month or less instead of the like eight grand a month I'm spending now. So long winded way to answer your question, but hope that, uh, hope that does answer it. Yeah. Same exact, same exact answer for me to where I actually think it's a faster way of getting to where you want to go. If you are flexible in your approach, because especially when it comes to travel, if I'm just like locked in on one way to get somewhere, then that way may not be available or that way may not be the most efficient way when there's another option that presents itself that's more efficient and a funner way to go about it. So sometimes you got to hop on the train. Sometimes you have to hop on a plane. But uh, I think that's the best way to go about it is having that end destination and that vision set, but then being flexible in your approach. Because if you would have told me that I was making six figures from a freaking podcast this time last year, I told you you're insane. (laughs) I was working a corporate job this time last year and I was going to my office, like right now we're recording this on a Thursday. I'd be in the, I'd be out in the field in the country, rural side of Georgia selling uniforms. So it's insane to see where this is turned into. So let's finish this up with giving a plug for your podcast. Let's talk about your show, which I'm about to go on as well and where people can find you. Yeah. So my podcast is the financial independent show or the Fi show for short. We interview Experts of all ages, of all backgrounds, just anyone who has achieved financial independence or who is on the path to financial independence, we get really tactical with different stuff. And I've gotten so many great takeaways as the podcast host. And our audience has just been loving the interviews. The show has been steadily growing year over year over year. And it's just been amazing, man, to see all of the different ways that people are retiring early, living their best life, achieving financial freedom. It's it's honestly nuts. Yeah, I love it, man. And it's it's so cool because we have a lot of real estate guys on the show just by default because I'm friends with them. But I like bringing in new perspectives. I like bringing in new strategies so that everyone has zero excuse. If you're priced out of the real estate market, you can find out some way to make money online so that you can not be priced out of the real estate market. Moral of the Mm. story. So where else can people find you online? Yeah, so you can follow me on Instagram at Cody D. Berman. Been trying to put out a ton of content there. Love it, man. Appreciate it. Thank you so much for coming on and can't wait to continue this conversation. So, Thanks for coming on, brother. This has been Brian Lubin and Cody Berman with the Action Academy podcast signing off. Hey, real quick. If you're still listening to today's episode, I'm assuming you got value from it. So I need your help specifically. My two-year vision with this show is to help over 1 million people do what they want, when they want, with who they want. And I can only do that with your help. There are two main ways that a podcast grows. 
One is through ratings and reviews, and the other is word of mouth. If you could please leave me a five-star rating and a review on Apple Podcasts and Spotify, as well as send this to one or two friends that you think would get value from it, we can reach the people that we're looking to reach. Thanks in advance. Talk tomorrow.